0: Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. Welcome back, listeners, to this episode of Lovely Books Podcast. This week, I am so grateful and I feel so blessed to have returning author Amy Harmon. Amy Harmon is a Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and New York Times bestselling author and author of most of my favorite genres. Amy knew at an early age that writing was something she wanted to do, and she divided her time between writing songs and stories as she grew. She grew. Having grown up in the middle of wheat fields without a television, with only her books and her siblings to entertain her, she developed a strong sense of what made a good story. Her books are now being published in 17 different languages. Truly a dream come true for a little country girl from Levan, Utah. So Amy has written 17 novels, and today we hope to talk about her most recent release, The Second Blind Son. Um, which was just released this last month in July. So Amy, thank you so much for being here. Before we begin, do you have perhaps a little known fact or maybe a fun fact to share with our listeners today? You know that I thought all day long about what
1: little known fact I could possibly share. And it's hard to know what people know and what they don't know. So it feels like everything is little known. Um, But I always I think it might surprise people how much I love to dance and that if 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 we ever get to come back in another life, <laughs> really <laughs> that's the thing that I would pursue. Yes, I I absolutely love it. Um, I don't know how good I am at it, but I never got the opportunity when I was younger to take lessons. We just weren't in a, a place where that was, you know, I we lived way out in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. I wasn't an option. So never any lessons. It was just something I just
0: loved. And that's so, so fun. And none of my
1: kids have wanted to do that. So oh, come on, <laughs> no, they have all the opportunity in the world and they're like, yeah,
0: uh, not for so, me. Uh, well, that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of a, that is a fun fact. I like that. Um, <laughs> well, before we really dive into your books, I kind of wanted to talk about this, the genre of fantasy. Um, the second blind Sun is your fourth fantasy book.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, there, I do have some others that kind of, you know, tread in the realm of magical realism, but Mm -hmm. uh, definitely if you were just looking at it as fantasy, yeah, I think, I think we could say that it was the fourth one.
0: So, and this is a, this is a genre that I'm new to. I haven't always loved to read fantasy and I'm learning to really love it, but the more I read it and the more I talk to other readers about it, this is a genre that people love. There are yeah. There's a huge audience for fantasy readers. And because it's not something um, that I would typically read, I'm often drawn into stories um, that teach me about people and cultures that I'm not familiar with, that I love historical fiction. Um, but fantasy, first getting into it, it, I kind of had a hard time figuring out what about fantasy really draws people in
1: because there are
0: so many people who are 100% drawn to fantasy. So what do you think it is for fantasy readers that they love so much? What aspect of the books do you feel like really keep them centered on fantasy as like a focal genre that they really love?
1: You know, it's it's hard to speak for, for people in general, but I know for me, um, and I'm like you, I love I love historical fiction, but for me, it was the the escape from, from what was real into, Uh you know, from what was maybe, I I don't want to say possible because so much of it is impossible, but the best, the best fantasy fiction is that gives you a chance to relate to your, yourself. So it has very, very real and very human characters, but yet they're able to do the things that we all wish we could do, or there's a, the magical systems are a little bit more recognized, you know. It gives us a chance to stay children, to stay young, um, and to dream a little bit. I love that. Uh, and I, I love that.
0: I love that because I always tell my kids, and I have five children who are fourteen and under, so they're still young. But I tell them all the time, like being a grown up is not magical. Mm-hmm. I I want to make mm-hmm. your lives <laughs> magical for as long as possible because being a grown up really isn't magical. Right. So right. I I love that you mentioned that, that opportunity to stay in that kind of childlike mindset of magic and imagination.
1: Yeah. And I, I do think that's what it is. I, I think it's the escape from the heaviness of, of life and that it's just, it's just different enough um, that it gives us an escape. Whereas historical fiction really doesn't in some ways, historical f- fiction can be really, really, um, depressing. Right. So right. it's, I, I loved, I love the both of them. I love being able to write one and then write the other as, as a palate cleanser.
0: Yeah. Um, definitely. So my,
1: you know, they, they kind of, they give me a, a rest from, from each other. I'll go to into one world and, and then escape my life for a little while in into another world.
0: Yeah. Well, one one thing that I loved so much about this in terms of like escape, but still there's so much of these books that stay in reality in terms of emotions and experience and feelings and um, life circumstances. I feel there, there's so much there that isn't magical or impossible, but it's just the stories mm-hmm. of the people I, I could tell when I was totally in these books Um, Because when I read Harry Potter, I waited until all seven books were out and I read all seven back to back. Yeah. And I remember sitting with my baby, falling asleep in a rocking chair, trying to remember what spell could put a baby to sleep (laughs) (laughs) because I was so in that world, right? So fast forward 15 <laughs> years and I'm reading The Second Blind Son right before I go to bed and I'm reading and I'd probably been reading for about 90 minutes and I reached over to my phone because I wanted to do a Google search for Saloc and figure out exactly where it was <laughs> and I had to go, hold on.
1: <laughs> it's not, it's not there, I, I won't find this if by asking Google. Yes, <laughs> Siri
0: cannot find Saloc. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, that was a moment for me as a reader where I really was in the story. You know what I mean? I could yeah. tell that like, I was completely immersed in because I did have that moment of like, yeah. where am disconnect. Yeah. I love fun. it. That was fun for yeah. me, you know, a grown woman to be able to have that moment. Um, I'd like to read. So this novel is the second book in the Chronicles of Salak, The Second Blind Son, the first book being the first girl child. Now, the area where this book would have taken place in terms of history um, would have been kind of that upper Sweden, Norway, Icelandic, Germanic region um, where all of our Norse mythology kind of stems from. To give us a background on what we're going to talk about today, I just kind of want to read the synopsis from the back of the book. An insidious curse is weakening the Norse kingdom of Salok, where no daughters have been born in years. Washing up on these plagued shores is Gisla, an orphaned stowaway nursed back to health by Hod, a blind cave dweller. Named for a mysterious god, Hod is surrounded by prophecy. To Gisla he is a cherished new friend, but Hode but to Hod, the girl is much more, for when Gisla sings, Hod can see. Unable to offer safety and shelter, Hode urges Gisla onward to become a daughter of the temple, where all the kingdom's girl children have been gathered. But because of a magical rune, the two cannot be separated, no matter the time or the distance. Now subjected to a ruthless king, Gisla enters a desperate world of warring clan chieftains and catastrophic power struggles. Uncertain whom to trust, their bond strained by dangerous secrets and feuding loyalties, Gisela and Hode must confront the prophecies that threaten Salok while finding a way to save each other. So there's a lot. It's so cool. There's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot there. There's like a lot happening. Um, and I was thinking, like, I w- I wanted to do this in my own words, but it's like telling the story of The Hobbit in your own words. It just doesn't work.
1: It doesn't work. I know. Yeah, I know. People ask me that kind of thing though. They'll, they'll say, "Well, tell me what this one's about," and I'll just it's think, like, "Okay, never mind. Don't read it because <laughs> I, I can't." It, and, and I'll hear myself talking about, yeah. about it, even with my children, you know, telling them yeah. what the book is about of that. And it's really, it, it's hard. It's hard to give a, it. It is. You know, it's, a really it's
0: hard to give the whole story, by. but there is a really strong Norse mythology kind of centered yes. building block to that. I love mythology and I know there's a ton of readers who really like the stories of Greek mythology. Um, For me, they really illustrate the best and the worst of human tendencies, but I didn't know anything about Norse mythology. So do you have a personal connection to that? How how did that come to be?
1: You know, it's the way everything kind of comes to be. It's that you're interested in something, a small thread, and then you start to yank on it and, and all of a sudden you've gone down a rabbit hole that's how it was for me. Uh, Yeah. I didn't know as much about Norse mythology as I did, you know, as I did about maybe other, other cultures, but what I find is so interesting about mythology is it, it is, it really is historical in the sense that it is the way that historical peoples explained their world. Yeah. And so it, yes, it's myth, meaning it was made up. These stories were made up, but they're very intricate and they're also very similar. Every, all of these origin stories, all these myths, you know, you'll see, you'll see them replicated with different names and that mm-hmm. throughout different cultures, mm-hmm. and it's so it's just fascinating. And of course, um, we all know Thor, and Marvel yeah. has kind of brought the whole Norse world back into the fore. Uh-huh. And so I, I think it was probably just that that I was interested in the, these characters that, you know, you would get glimpse of in our popular culture now.
0: Yeah. But these characters like Odin, Loki and Thor, we know them from those movies, but to yes. hear their stories more intricately explained in, within this plot was really cool.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, I think what I was going to circle around to is the fact that I, I was interested in the Viking stories. Mm-hmm. I was interested in, um, the last kingdom, if anybody has seen the last kingdom, that series, uh, that very old English, I mean, old, old English worlds with clans and everything, but that's actual, that, that's historical. And I love the merging of the historical and the fantastical. I love that merging. And it, it it is kind of a been a bridge maybe between the, the genres that I write. Um, but I liked, I liked the the Marvel world, but then bridging it with, with an actual historical feel. And I do think these tend to have a little bit of that gritty Viking world feel. And yet yeah. they have a magic system. So,
0: yeah, which I and I love that um, the two books, they have parallel timelines.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I loved that part of what I think made me love it so much is. I really appreciate the idea of perspective. Yeah. And especially as I'm growing up and I recall memories with my siblings, it's so fascinating to hear two people in the same space experiencing the same thing, but from a different eye view, the experience changes a little bit. And the more people, um, the more different point of views and the more perspectives that you see, they create a more complete portrait yes. of the story yeah and so yeah. I, I loved that
1: well i'm glad you did i always read a few reviews right when the book comes out to kind of gauge it's mm-hmm. the only way i can gauge and i quickly stopped because i and i knew to expect this um that some people just did not they just didn't care for that they wanted it to be and what happened next yeah rather than seeing the 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 same timeline uh-huh. it wasn't the same story no in the sense that we were we were completely in a we were completely plopped down in a different place yeah um and with different even with different characters and and a very different story that we didn't even know existed within the same timeline um but there were some scenes in the book um that anchor the stories together, that pull mm-hmm. them together. And they had to be there uh, because it, it helps to orient the reader in the story. Yeah. Uh, recognizing what came in the first girl child and then matching it up with the second blind son, there are scenes that, that anchor the stories together. And so they're, they had to be there. Otherwise, you can't see where that they, where the, where they, they merge. Yeah. And so I, I knew that some people wouldn't like that. I had one person complain that 80% of the book was cut and paste. It, it if, if, if it was, I would have, that would have been so awesome. Cause that would have been so easy, so easy. <laughs> but it was, it was, you know, totally not, but there were scenes that again, anchored yeah. kind of bolted the stories so you could see where they merged and then left again. Um, and you got to see uh, the first girl child in in a much broader sense, but then you're, that you're really, you're really told the story through the eyes of a character that doesn't, isn't in the first girl child. And then it's a, a character that you don't, you don't know her story yeah. at all. So it was, it was really challenging and it was really fun. The third book is not there. Here we go. Spoiler. But the third book is not going to be the same timeline. It is okay. going to actually go forward. Um, but it will have some things that will have to anchor it back to the other two. So, um, but it will, it will be a more of a continuation rather than parallel, but I loved, I haven't ever seen it done. I haven't ever seen parallel lines done quite like that. So it was really challenging and interesting for me.
0: First of all, I thought it was so creative. I thought it was Mm -hmm. such a creative approach to tell the story in another way. And it kind of reminded me of when we read World War II historical fiction. Yes. And I'm to a point where I can't read it anymore because I feel like I've read about the same event from so many perspectives. Yes. But to have that same approach where you're talking like if this community in Saloc, if this, if these clans of people exist on Google, like I think they do and (laughs) you're writing their history then really to see that story retold from the perspective of a different area and a different character. I mean, I thought it was brilliant. I I'm so glad (laughs) I totally, I totally followed it. Um, I loved the perspectives. And I also loved that in the different books, um, my feelings towards the secondary characters changed a little. Yes. My perspective on Dagmar in the first book was that of a loving father. I found him to be so gentle and so um, quiet and so, I don't know. But in the second book, from the perspective of someone else, he came across as very um, willing to be bold and willing to take a stand on things because we didn't see him as much, and when we did see him, he was expressing uh, a serious opinion on something. Yeah, and I think all people are like that.
1: Yes, it, it really broadens the characters. It's like a it's like seeing a character in 4D. You know, totally. you can't see a character in 4D if you're only looking through one person's eyes, yeah, one person's perspective, and it's the only way. That you realize that people people look different, for the lack of a better word, people look different depending on who's looking. Yeah. Um, so that was yeah, that was interesting, and I think um, that was the one of the things from my editor actually that she remarked upon is that you definitely get a a perspective of the keepers that you didn't get in the in the first book. You kind of yeah. realize that that the keepers have have maybe put too much trust in the runes and that they've given too much of their their free will and and the fact that they are stewards. They kind of just sit back and allow things to happen that they shouldn't have allowed things to happen and hope Mm -hmm. that the runes will make everything right, when in essence, they needed to make things right. And So, you know, it's just, again, it's a different perspective and you, you, you still have some compassion and things, but you also realize that people are very flawed and human and you, you see the flaws of certain characters that you maybe didn't see the first time around. And then you also see strengths and, and, and I think everybody still loves Bear. Yes.
0: (laughs) But now I love him as a brother. I love him as like, As someone um, who is being like, like from a Hercules standpoint, you know what I mean? Where you have this, this other family member, I don't know if I'll spoil that Mm -hmm. this other family member who is looking at him, you know, and expresses at the end of the book, like I was just so proud to be your your family, you know what I mean? So it made the strength of the first book turn into awe a little bit more in the second.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think the first book had to happen. I personally as the author, I can say this, I think. I liked the second book more. I think it's because of what happened in the first book that I can that I did like the second book more. Book more. The first book had huge goals and it had a huge yeah. foundation to set. And yet I was able to write that book with the knowledge and the hope that there were more stories to come and that I had to build a really sure and big foundations so that then I could offshoot with all of these other, with these other stories. And that that first book would support, you know, these other yeah. stories. So, you know, it was a huge undertaking that for the first book and it, it felt enormous. It's the hardest book I've ever written, far none.
0: So then when you wrote the first book, because I'm, um as I'm finishing the second, I'm looking back and I remember that I remember the archer. So mm-hmm. did you know at that point at the end of the first book did you already know that the second book was going to be from that perspective? No. Okay, now that's mm-hmm. extra cool. That is. That and I is. can and see I, why that was hard.
1: Yeah, I, I got the idea honestly for Hode's character. I I you know, I this is always hard for me because I can never remember exactly when inspiration strikes or what you know, it's not like a light switch or like yeah. a red flag or anything like that. Things happen very naturally. And sometimes they're just there and you're not sure where where the idea came from, or even when it first, when the seedling um, was first there. But I remember actually, my daughter loves Daredevil. And if anybody knows Daredevil, he's kind of like, you know, he's, he's blind. He's, he's blinded by an accident. I think when he's like 12 or something like that acid or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so he's taught to be a warrior. Um, But, and it's anyways, it's, I thought that's such a cool, that's such, he's such a cool character. You know, obviously I didn't want to do the the same story, but I, 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 I didn't think of Hode. I didn't have Hode in mind when I wrote The First Girl Child. He really came after. I knew it was going to be, um, I knew, you know, of course, Lise, yeah, who was in the first. I, I knew it was gonna be her story, but I I didn't have all of the particulars. I knew kind of that when I wrote her where she'd come from and kind of how. Yeah. But Hode came later. And and then his story was so fun because I thought of him um. Before I even knew about Hode, the blind God, that there was a Norse God that was blind. That was, you know, I knew nothing about Hode, the blind God. So it was so wild. I had been trying to come up with Hode's name, Uh knowing who he was and all of it. And I kept changing his name. It just would not come. It was the wrong name. And I'm really, really, really anal about names for my books because they mean something. They do. Everything. And I came, I'd been doing, you know, some research at the same time as I'm writing and I was looking at different old Germanic names and came across Hode. And I was like, Oh, that's funny. Cause I would never in a million years would have named him Hode. Right. And then saw a little Wikipedia blurb about that. He was from, it was Hode, the, the son of Odin. And I was like, what? And then I, I went deeper and I, I seriously was cold chills. It was like, Oh my gosh, I'm already right. I'm already writing this character. And I didn't even know
0: perfect. A blind,
1: a blind God existed. So, and then I was like, well, um, he's hoed <laughs> so <I'm just> about <laughs> to get used to that. And now I can't imagine him with any other name because no.
0: it's it just captured him. It fits perfectly. It absolutely fits perfectly. So one thing, um, and I mentioned this in the last podcast that we did that I loved so much about the bird and the sword is there's a line from that book um, where the main character hears the voice of her mother in her head saying, silence, daughter, stay alive. And that Mm -hmm. phrase carries throughout the book in, in the most perfect moments that by the end, anytime you you read those lines, it gives you chills because it has carried through the story. And it gets the farther along in the story you get, the more meaning it has. Right. And I felt the same way with promise me you will not give up and I will not give up today.
1: Yes. That was yeah, it, that was so profound. It was the mantra of the book. And I tend to do that with many of my stories, but there there almost becomes this mantra in Benny mm-hmm. Lament it was if you want people to change you have to show them what it looks like that was the mm-hmm. mantra of the book so there's lines often that that capture the whole theme and mood and um, goal everything they capture the book and that was the line in that one and and I didn't want it to be cheesy um, because so often things can be I didn't want it to be cheesy but there's a real a very melancholic feeling in this book and that was how i was feeling when i wrote it and i think it captures the book but also the fact that you know that it's hode who who really you know has reason i think many oftentimes throughout the whole book and and through his his whole story you know he's he's the character you think you need to build up yet he's the one that's telling yeah. Gisla don't give up so it was it was almost like it was he was telling himself at the same time as, as he's telling, you know, he's pleading with her because they need each other for that strength. Don't you give up? And the kind of the, yeah. the untold or the unsaid line is that, cause it'll, it'll help me not to give up. If I know right. you're not giving up, then I won't yeah. give up either. So yeah, it, it just fit the story. And it was, it was like this drumbeat the entire, the
0: entire book. Cause the first time I read it in the book, I, I, kind of anticipated, like, promise me you don't give up, you won't give up, and then, no, I won't give up. But adding today, Mm -hmm. I feel like that was really meaningful in in terms of, like, what the characters were experiencing because there is this kind of heavy tone, Mm -hmm. especially in the middle of the book, when nothing is really going well. And Mm -hmm. just making it through the day, when you don't have control of your destiny, this idea of, I will, I promise you I'll make it through today. And then tomorrow comes,
1: you know, and And I just see about tomorrow. So I'm promising you today. Yeah, I know. And I I think we could all, yeah. Adding today, you're right. It it just, it it took away the cheesiness, honestly, because I think we can all relate to that. Well, we all can't, you know, trying to bite, to bite off, a promise for the entire future, I I'm, I maybe can't do. But what I can give you is, I won't give up today. Today, so, yeah. And, it and we gave, can relate to that.
0: Yeah, we can, and it just gives that little glimmer because, as we all know from experience, that you know sometimes it is just the day, and then the next day comes, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I have a little more strength yeah. today than I had yesterday.
1: Yeah, yeah. I only have to make it through the next the next few steps, and then when I get to that point, then make it yeah. through the, the next.
0: The next few, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I love that. I do. um, I want to touch on the runes a little bit. I didn't know anything about them. Well, I mean, runes. There's
1: been some complaints that this book and and the the last one were were a little bit bloody, and I I recognize again. There's this gritty factor. The Viking world was not um, was not particularly, you know, non-violent. Actually, history is very gritty. Yeah, Um, and it, it it does have that. That feel, but runes are really interesting because again, it's historical, yet you have history and his history and magic kind of yeah. merging in runes. And and I love the idea that the runes almost tell a story. I also loved how it's funny when you write you you realize what you know. It's almost like the process of yeah. writing, you're like, oh, yeah. wow, this is this is I believe this is true. Yeah. But when um when Gisla's being instructed on how to write to draw a certain rune, one of the instructions is that you have to, you can't just draw the rune, that but it has to be drawn in a certain way, that there's a process to that there's a process to making the magic work. It's not just a replication, that there's a process. And if you Mm -hmm. don't do it just so, then you know, then your the magic doesn't happen. And I I love I kind of liked that idea in a real time sense of that in order to kind of unlock the magic, we, a lot of time there are processes that we have yeah. to go through. You know? and yeah. So there's all these mysteries that are wrapped up in the rune, which makes sense because the keepers have spent their life studying them yeah. and, you know, learning how to unlock the power of the runes. And, and so, yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: I love that part. I thought those were super interesting and it did give me something. Um, I love it when a book gives me something to look into after that's real. So not only did I get to look into this Norse mythology and read a little bit more about these characters, but also to look into the runes and kind of see where, first of all, where in the world they kind of originated Mm -hmm. and what they developed into and how they're, you know, part of basically what our alphabet became. Right. If you trace them back into history. So I thought that was really cool. Um, For both of these books, if there was a story or a feeling or something that you wanted your readers to take away from reading these or to get from reading them? What would that be?
1: Well, I think it's going to be different with every book. Um, And, you know, the first book is going to be, you're going to take something away um, different than the one you'll take away from the second book. I think we kind of already touched on it. The idea of, you know, when everything around you feels hopeless, and dark, that that sometimes the most you can do is to just carry on in your own way. Um, I, I also think, and, and and it was a friend of mine that, that made this uh, com, kind of commented on this. She says, you always drop your characters into these impossible worlds. And, and she says, and I always think, oh, this is so big. This is how how are, how is Amy ever gonna get them through this? And and then she says, and then they always come out the other side. She says, but what I realized is that they don't solve the big world problems. They just learn how to navigate within within yeah. that world. And I think that's true for all of us. I, don't, I think we all have to learn how to navigate. You know, we can't solve the world's problems right. a lot of the time. And so we do have to figure out, well, wh- what can I do within my circle of influence, within my daily choices, within my daily walk? What can
0: I do? Yeah, so, and learning to just navigate that with as much power and peace as we can. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so there is going to be another book. Yes, I, I I actually hope that there are several
1: more. Cool. But it's it's a long process. And I know that you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there is another one. The first book came out in 2019. This one okay. came out 2021, so it might be. 2023 2023, um you know it might be a long longer proposition than we want but I I just feel like there there is a whole there are many stories that can and maybe six because there are six clans so that that was kind of what I had in my that was what I had in my, my mind when I started was that there might you know that maybe we could do six. that might take me a decade uh, to get them all or longer to get to get them done, but yeah. um, and to get my my publisher to sign off. but there's definitely the next one is going to be about Elaine. okay the redhead Elaine uh, who is quiet and and feels she is very ordinary um, and Aiden who is the chieftain of Adyar. So okay. those are the two main characters in that I love in it. next one.
0: Oh, I love that so much, Amy. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about these two fantastic books, The Second Blind Son and The First Girl Child with me today. I loved them. I was all no, in. Thank you.
1: I'm so glad. And I, I, I loved them too.